Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. Woo! Now, real quick show of hands. How many of you have been to one of our Christmas Eve services prior to this? Anybody been there? All right, all right. Good, 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 good. Well, today's different. Today is a continuation of the message that I shared the last five services prior to this, right? So we had five Christmas Eve services. If you are just brand new and didn't get a chance to see any of those, uh, the only difference really was that we had a full band. We had a little bit more flashy lights, but y'all got the snow, so we're good, right? That was good. Um, so here's how it works in the round. I can see you. That's really what it means. And so I am preaching for conviction, right? So I will... I will be able to see every single one of you, so I'll be walking right here, and then I'll be walking over there, and and so you're going to go, man, that seems really confusing. It probably is, probably is, but that's all right. Um, what we have been focusing on this entire Christmas season is the concept of behold. I mentioned that in the ESV, the word behold is used 1,111 times. And what it is, is the Bible's way of saying, I need you to pause because what I'm about to say is so much deeper than you imagine. You can't just take it like every other communication. There's something heavy coming in. And so I don't want you to miss this. So I'm going to create a word that says, stop what you're doing and look deeper. What we've been trying to understand is that I believe that under the fabric of all reality of that which is good is Jesus Christ. Therefore, all things are created by Him, for Him, and through Him. Therefore, if you're going to look into anything that is good, if you look deep enough, you're going to find Jesus. So what I wanted to do was take some of the similar passages that I've been teaching on, and what I wanted to do was go another layer deeper. So if you heard the other passages, you've heard some of those pieces, we're going to kind of just refer to them briefly, but we're going to step one level deeper and start seeing how much more personal we can make it. What more is going on? I believe that the way that God built us is multi-layered. If you remember, that's kind of how Jesus healed. Do you remember that? The way that Jesus would heal is if you, and, and recently I had an opportunity to go with some of our staff. I got a chance to go out to the juvenile hall out on Bradshaw. I don't know if any of you know where that is. We got to go out to the Max Ward and talk with young men that were approximately 15 to 19. And they don't get a chance to have visitors and hang out with a lot of other people. They don't get a chance to have a lot of visitation with their family. So uh, our ministry that ministers in there and a lot of the other ones led by Dan Gamble and his team. We all went out there to bring them Boston Market, which was awesome because they had already the state mandates. They already have dinner before we come. So they have to have one meal and then they were like, who cares? And they just kept eating and young guys can eat. You know what I'm saying? So everything we brought was gone by the time we were done. But what I wanted to do when I came in there was not just to care for them, not just to love on them, not just to make sure to shake their hands and look them in the eye and give them the honor and respect that God's image deserves in them. Not only did I want to say, listen, God sent us for, and he had to stop everything else we were doing to come visit you. Not only did I want to do that, but I said, I want to share with you four stories 
because I want to show you a Jesus you may not have been introduced to. Well, along the way, I was sharing the story of the man that was paralyzed. Do you remember any of this? There's a man that was paralyzed and his buddies wanted to bring him in front of Jesus. Well, of course, he can't get there, so they had to go pick him up at home, literally. They had to put him on a cot and lift it up and carry him over to Jesus. But when they got there, the whole place was jammed. You couldn't get in and see Jesus. He was the celebrity of the time. So what they decided to do was that all of them had flat roofs. So they climbed up the outside stairs, took their buddy up there, and they dug a hole through the ceiling. You know this story. And they lowered him down in front of Jesus. First thing Jesus says... He looks at him and he says he saw their faith. It wasn't just the young man's faith. It was the friend's faith, which I just have to encourage you. If you have been invited by friends or family to this service, that is an honor. I know it feels like a drag. It is an honor. It is an honor because this is their special place and their safe place. This is a place where they get to sing, which is not, you probably don't see them sing all that much. This is a place where they may lift their hands to the Lord that they don't do a whole lot. This is a place where they have friends that are Christians. This is a place that in their mind, they can let their hair down and be who they are. So for you to be invited here is special. When, and I want to tell you, those of you that invited somebody, God sees your faith. To just say, I have a lot of people that I love and I want them next to my Jesus too. That's awesome, right? But here's what's interesting about that story. So why did they bring this guy to Jesus? Well, it's pretty obvious the guy can't walk. But the first thing Jesus says to him is, my son, your sins are forgiven. That's not why he came. And it almost seems like Jesus closed the story right there. He was like, and we're done. Let's move on. If that guy would have left there paralyzed, he would have been like, what are you doing? It's the whole reason why we showed up. But Jesus knows what's more important than physical healing. Your sins are forgiven. We are so multi-layered. We only know enough layers like this. What? Mind, will, emotion. We know things like spirit and body and soul, right? I mean, we know these layers. How many more layers are going on within the human system? We are so intricately and uniquely designed. So if God wants to do a work in us, he may be working at a level we're not tracking on, nor do we care about particularly. Let's say you're going through difficult times and God's working on your patience. I can guarantee you, you don't like that job, right? So why is he working on that? Because it's possible that if he can lay that foundation, he can bring a blessing on the next foundation. My purpose in saying all of that, and obviously I haven't got to my notes, so it's going to be a long morning. (laughs) Right, I I should probably get back to these. The reason why I'm mentioning this is because I believe that Jesus has created the entire universe with a lot deeper layers. I believe that wherever Jesus walked on this earth, he saw his father already present there. 
And so he would say, he is like this in the grain fields. He is like this in the vineyards. He is like this. And everywhere he looked, the image of his father was beheld. What I'm going to ask you to do with me today is to behold the face of God once again, but to see him in a new light, to see him as he wants to reveal himself to be. And just to make everybody slightly uncomfortable, as I'm preaching, I'm looking at you, you think, well, at least he's contained up there. Well, I'm actually not. You see, so I can come over and I can greet everybody and walk over here. Now, I won't do that, but I just want you to be nervous that I will. Keeps everyone awake, praise God, all right? What else should we see? Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Uh, you can follow along with me. We're going to read through it a little bit together. If you don't uh, have a Bible, I'm not even sure if we put them in the seats in front of you. I don't even know that. But uh, Jeff, did we do that? Did anybody know? Are there any seats? Are there any Bibles under there? Oh, all right, cool. All right, well, why don't you turn with me to Luke chapter 1. If you don't know where that is, drop the Bible open in the middle and go to the right. Okay, drop the Bible open in the middle, go to the right. You're going to hit Matthew, Mark, Luke. That's where you're going to stop. If you hit John, you went too far. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, it says, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was? Mary, all right, we're good on that. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Let's just pause there for a moment. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled. How does that work together? Hey, God really loves you, man. Things are awesome for you. He's got his eyes on you and your life's messed up, right? Because as I point out every Christmas, this whole Christmas story is not easy on Mary nor Joseph. Do you remember? It pretty much wrecks their lives. But she was favored. Greeting favored one. God looked down and he could have picked anybody, right? I mean, it didn't have to be Mary. It wasn't like she was the only option. He didn't give it to her because she had done something wrong. He gave it to her, this gift, as a kindness. But it caused a lot of trouble. Hmm. You know, I have to say that as you all know my story, and I bring it up a lot, because I feel like it is one of my ways to connect in with anyone that is hurting. But you all know my story as being diagnosed with panic disorder since I was six years old. Well, what an unusual job to stand up in front of people and speak. If I am so favored, why exactly am I up here, trapped up here and... And, and, and always having people look at me and then I, I can't get away and I can't get off stage and all that kind of stuff. That seems to be rather unusual. But yet the gift of God was given to me as a present to use for the kingdom of God that he might be advanced, that he might be pleased, but it doesn't mean it goes easy for me. So what is it for you? 
What has He given you that you would look at and say, well, on the good days, I see it as a present. On the bad days, I see it as a curse. What is that for you? Is it your job? For some of you, it's parenting, right? On those good days, man, it feels great. And you're like, man, I'm the parent of the year. And then there's those days that are just hard. And they're tiring. And then your kids react off of you. And then they say they don't care about you. And then they go off and do their own thing. Mary received a gift. And one of the prophecies about the gift was that it would be like a sword through her heart. Because she was going to watch her oldest die on a cross. I can guarantee you that she didn't really want to get pregnant at 14. I can guarantee you she didn't want to see her son hung on a cross. And yet both of those were the some of the greatest miracles of all the universe. And they happened to her. So let's read it again. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord's with you. But Lord, if you're with me, why is it so hard? God did not promise us ease. God just promised us real. God didn't promise us cake. He promised us something far more rich and meaningful than that. I know we want ease. I'm not sure we need ease. I think that something greater is built in difficulty. I know there are many theologies out there and I'm not sure what tradition you come from. And I don't mean to insult other teachers that have taught you. Perhaps they know better than I. I will simply share my opinion. I believe in both a theology of healing and a theology of suffering. And in my opinion, God will do whatever brings Him most glory. Because it's not about us in the first place. Therefore, we can be favored and still not be healed. We can be focused on but not have the ease. Just because things are difficult does not mean we have been abandoned. As a matter of fact, it may mean that God draws near. Amen? All right, let's keep moving forward in this passage. It says, but she was greatly troubled, verse 29, we're in Luke 1, 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. That sounds awesome. She's like, all right, so you're going to wreck my world, but then my son's going to be awesome. (laughs) He's going to have the throne? Come on. Yes, it's about time because if you remember at this time, Israel didn't have any king. 
They were oppressed by the Roman government. So they didn't have any authority. So not only is it kind of a fulfillment of prophecy that Israel will be raised up and have their own government, but what he just said was, and your son will sit on that throne. And I would imagine her heart begins to soar. What parent doesn't want their child to succeed? What parent doesn't want their child to have all the breath of God breathed into them and them do wonderful? Every parent wants that. And so she's probably thinking, I guess it's worth it. And then he never sat on a throne. That's awkward. On this earth, he never sat on a throne. The closest he ever got was the triumphal entry of riding in on a donkey. And people said, Hosanna, but that was only one group. Is it possible that at that moment she could not behold the hand of God because it was something deeper than she could grab a hold of? I want to consistently tell you what you're seeing is not the full story. There's more to it. What I'm asking you is before you make a judgment on the nature of God, consider it deeper. That before you make an assumption on whether the Lord loves you or not, you might want to look deeper and deeper and deeper because you probably don't have all the pieces. Mary had none of the pieces to understand that the son she was about to have was going to eternally sit on the throne of God. I can tell you in that moment when he's dying on the cross, she couldn't appreciate it. But what's better, an earthly throne or a heavenly throne? Is it possible that God has something for you better than what you keep praying for? Y'all know what I mean? Because we keep saying, Lord, if you would only give me a career. And he said, but what if I give you a life? But God, if you would only give me money, he said, but what if I gave you satisfaction? Because all the things that we keep chasing for, we're only looking at so deep. And he says, but I have something better for you. What the Bible does not say is everything is good. What the Bible does say is that for those who are called by his name, for his children, he will take that which is bad and redeem it to make it good. All right, all right, let's keep moving forward. We'll wrap out this little passage and move on. So you're going to have a kid, he says to Mary, which is a little complicated, verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how exactly is that going to happen? Since I am a virgin, and by definition, I don't conceive. (laughs) Verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. I'm sorry, how am I going to have a kid? The Holy Spirit. Oh, okay. That has never happened before, nor has that ever happened after. It's very unique. Which once again, God may be doing something in you that is entirely unique. And so you keep looking at everyone else's life and trying to match it up and say, well, God doesn't treat them like this. No, he doesn't. Because you're not like everyone else. We're all snowflakes, yeah? Very individual, very unique in design. Do you treat all your kids the same? 
I know you may treat them equally, but do you treat them the same? I don't think that's very loving. I don't think it's very accurate. I think that all your children are unique. And so I think that you should probably treat your children the way they need to be treated as opposed to just even across the board. God doesn't do the same thing with you. Stop comparing yourself with somebody else. Quit looking at your life and everybody else's life and try to figure out how much God loves you because they do not equate. Answer me this. Let's look deeper in this. What is the extent of the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, I don't know. Right now, it's creating a birth inside of a virgin. That's pretty crazy. So what can the Holy Spirit do? Anything he wants to do. Right? In other words, the Bible says that all of creation came by which the Father initiated, breathed through the Son of God, and ignited by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what is God limited to? Nothing. The power of the Holy Spirit is bringing about the impossible. So I ask you, in your life, what can the Holy Spirit do in you and through you? Anything He wants. I think there's a lot more in this Christmas story. Would you agree? We haven't even scratched the surface. Let's go ahead and jump to another passage. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it to you. It's in Matthew 1.21. An angel says to Joseph, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Imagine having a son that is your savior, and you're a stepdad. How does that relationship work out? How do you manage a family that doesn't have traditional norms. Your son doesn't look like you because ultimately he's God's son. But don't you understand that all kids are God's kids? You're only managing them. There is a certain comfort in that, is there not, as parents? That in one sense, there's a responsibility to steward and manage well, but their ultimate destiny, their ultimate heart is in the hands of the Lord. So do we not at some age become wise enough to start saying, Lord, would you take care of your children? Not my children, right? And so what is it like to work with a blended family? It's interesting that Jesus had that right in his own house because I'll tell you this, our church has an awful lot of that. We have blended families and mixed families and adopted families and this family. We are all over the map And in my opinion, it looks a lot more like Jesus that way. Now, I understand some of it has come through pain. I understand that it's not what you wanted. What I'm telling you is that Jesus knows how to redeem that because he did the very same thing in his own family. All right, let's move on to another passage. Let me just read this one. Luke 2, 10. And the angel said to them, remember the angel came to the shepherds? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Let's just stop right there. What's the antidote to fear? Fear not, I got good news for you. That's what he just said. So what are you afraid of? We all have different fears. We all have concerns. As a matter of fact, most of what we stress about is really based on our culture. Because what we stress about is not what other country people stress about necessarily. Our level of, oh no, 
is very different from each other. I don't know if I ever shared this story with you, but um, I, I think it's, I think it's, it, it's insightful. Um, so there was a couple, and they were friends of mine, very close, and they were going through a difficult time. Um, the husband was kind of off in la-la land, and he went off and just decided to rack up a bunch of credit cards and without the wife's knowledge, and it, got, it became a mess, and they were on the edge of divorce, and they were trying to reconcile. Well, as they were trying to reconcile, their whole finances were in the toilet, right? I mean, you can't, you can't do all that overspending. So what ended up happening was their power got shut off. The great, the, and it's not funny, but, but how they reacted was so comical to me because he called me and he's like, Pastor Lance, we are in danger. And he could not have sounded more panicked. He's like, our power got shut off. And then I talked to her and she was completely calm. She's like, Hey, Pastor Lance, he hands the phone to her. I'm like, Hey, what's going on? She goes, nothing. And I go, what do you mean nothing? She goes, well, power got shut off. That's why God gave us ice packs. She's like, all you got to do is put the ice into the chest and you put that in. That's why you have candles. Very practical. Okay. She grew up extraordinarily poor. He grew up extraordinarily rich. And in his mind, it was the end of the world. And in her mind, it was just another day. You understand that our level of discomfort is very individual. It's very individual and unique to each one of us. So I look at this and what is it that you fear? And does God have any good news about it? Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy. Meaning that, and, and I've said this before, but if heaven's not stressing about it, should we? Because the same guy runs both sides. Right? If heaven's not worried about it, and I don't think heaven's worried about anything, would you agree with me? They're like, no, we got it. It's cool. The king is on the throne. Well, I just need you to know the king's on the throne here too. Same guy runs both sides. All right. Let's keep moving on. Fear not, for behold, I give you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Why involve the shepherds at all? They're nobodies. Oh, that's not true. They're only nobodies in society's eyes. There's somebody in God's eyes. And what was his whole point in grabbing the shepherds? He announced it to foreigners first. He announces it to the lowest class next. It really doesn't get to the higher ups and the fancy folks that are local until way later. Why? Because Jesus is the Savior of the common man. He's the Savior of the people that aren't very religious. He's the Savior of the ones that don't have the high education. See, I know, I know that it, we kind of got a little bit mixed up where we kind of had this hierarchy over time where all of a sudden you'd have like people go to seminary and it would get higher and higher and higher and then you'd have these super saints. Do you understand that that's not really the biblical model? <laughs> Do you understand that really 
Jesus looked around and grabbed a bunch of dudes that were uneducated and he grabbed fishermen and said, you guys, you guys, you guys, I can change the world through all of you. Didn't mean that he couldn't use the educated. He grabbed Matthew, who was Levi, the tax collector. You don't get to do that job if you're not qualified. But if you remember, he was an outcast from society too. (laughs) So Jesus grabbed everybody that didn't think they were going to be included and he included them. If you have ever felt to be an outcast, you're just Jesus's type. Make sense? All right, let me give you this. You, you can turn here with me. Revelation 1.12. That's the last book of the Bible. It's easy to get to. It's all the way to the right. Revelation 1.12. I just want, I, I didn't share this one uh, at all in the other passages, uh, excuse me, the other services, but I think it's one of the most beautiful behold passages. And I would like us to share it today on Christmas. John the Revelator received a vision and he heard a voice talking to him and he said this, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, meaning like a human being, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. That's a pretty intense vision. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. Oh, I died. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the key to death in Hades. Hmm. A living Jesus. Did he die on the cross? Yes, he did. Did he stay in the grave? No, he did not. And he ascended up to the right hand of the Father and he dwells in power and one day he will return and he is the mighty warrior king that he has always been. Amen. And what's so beautiful about that is that he is the mighty warrior king that defends his children. He is the one that knows how to take on your troubles. He's the the one that knows how to slay your fears. He's the one that knows how to shatter anxiety. He is the one that knows how to break through depression. Does he not? Indeed, that is the king that we serve. And I remember just this last week, man, I was getting hit so hard with spiritual warfare. I called out to my intercessor prayer prayer team. I have a a particular team that prays for me every day of the week. So I was was calling Rick and some of the the crew, Troy and, and Nicole and some of these folks. They pray for me. And I fired out a text to them and I said, you guys, I'm getting hammered. Every day is like walking through thick mud. I, I, I can't get a break. I'm constantly either bummed out or I'm anxious or something is wrecking me every day. 
And as I went to lay down to take a nap, I was laying there and using it as kind of a, a, a prayer time. And I said, Jesus, you're my warrior king. Shut it down. You're the one that's in charge. No enemy can move without your say-so. You're the king. You're the master. You shut down waves if you don't like them. You call it calm and it's calm. No one resists your voice. So Jesus, speak into my life and shatter the works of the enemy and cause them to flee. And as my prayer team began to pray, I swear to you, I began to have breakthrough. Amen. Why? Because this guy described right here, that's our Jesus. I, I know, I know that he looks, you know, we always picture him as kind of that Middle Eastern mellow dude, right? He's always has a cool beard and he's kind of hipster and, you know, I, I understand all that. And you know what? He looks super smiley and he looks super gentle to his children. And I just need you to know that you're supposed to see that side of him first. Um, Last night with, with my kids, we had our, our little, a little Christmas time and every, uh, Christmas Eve, we, we all buy pajamas. And so we all open up one package and it's always pajamas. And, and since I think pajamas are kind of weak sauce, I never get them anymore. So everybody else gets pajamas and we all ca- crawled up on the couch and we all had blankets and we watched Elf. Right? Uh, the Will Ferrell movie. No spiritual value whatsoever. But it was hilarious, and I love that, and that's kind of our tradition. And so we all crawled up. That's the dad my daughters know. I'm the guy with the blankies. I'm the guy that always laughs. I'm the guy that steamrolls. You know what steamrolling is? You gotta do this with your kids. What you do is you roll and crush them. It's fantastic. You just roll over them. If they're laying on the ground, just smash them. It's awesome. And I'm the one that's going to joke around and tickle and mess with them and everything else. That's the dad my daughters know. And that's the Jesus that his children see. I would like to suggest to you that anyone that harms my children see a different person. You want to talk about ferocity. This little smiling, hey guy. That's not what I always am. I have a different face for enemies. And I need you to understand that that's why the demons always fell down before Jesus and cried out and said, Son of God, don't torment us before the appointed time. Why? Because they see this guy of revelation. And they know he ain't messing around. So let me remind you this Christmas season. (laughs) What did I do? I miss. Let me remind you that the Jesus that your problem sees is the Jesus of Revelation. The the Jesus your depression sees is the Jesus of Revelation. The Jesus anyone that would dare harm you sees is the Jesus of Revelation. But I want you to ever behold his face as gentle and loving and a Jesus that would steamroll you if you're on the ground.
Let's finish it out, all right? Close it out with a couple little tiny passages. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you, as my children, are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? I think that's supposed to make a difference in our lives. That God dwells in you. That you're His ambassador. That everywhere you go, God is. Does that make a difference? Do you walk with that? Because I think that if we knew the power of that, we'd probably hold our head up a little higher. And I don't think we'd walk as victims. I think we'd walk as victors. You have the Holy Spirit in you. May the enemy worry. 1 Corinthians 12:27. Now you as a church are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Can we please begin to treat each other as the body of Christ? As you look across this way and you see the body of Christ, behold the face of God. Behold the face of God. I understand that the face of God sometimes is more attractive and less attractive. I understand that. I understand that. that, that there are some that you'd rather not look at. I get that. Um, just know that your brothers and sisters, we're all in this together. And as we collectively come together, God's face is revealed. And can we please show an honestly united front to the world? Right? As opposed to a pretend? Can we please really own it that we're actually family? Even if we don't all think the same thing? Right? Because we got a lot of denominations represented here, do we not? I mean, come on. We got Catholics and Episcopalians and Methodists and we have Baptists and we have Charismatics and we have Pentecostals and we have everybody in one room. And either you're my brother and sister or you're not. And if you are, I might need to work with you as family as opposed to constantly focusing on what we don't have in common. Now, if you do not believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, we have a little bit of a separation, yeah? That only puts me into the mode of love. That now I want to pursue you and care for you and love on you until you see Jesus like I see Jesus. So there's no room for animosity. Last one, Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Jesus didn't come to write cool stories. Jesus did not come to just simply impress you. Jesus didn't even come ultimately to heal people. Jesus didn't really come for a lot of reasons that we, we think he's cool. Jesus came to save. So if you are not rescued, you're not letting him do his job. So I, I will make it this way, and we're not going to be very dramatic on it. But I'm going to say this. Please do not leave this room without knowing Jesus as your own it's not good enough that your spouse knows him. It's not good enough that your parents know him. It's not good enough that your kids know him. You got to know him. Because individually, you're going to stand before the Lord. You don't get to stand as a group. And what he's going to do is he's going to look in the Lamb's book of life and say, did you ever let me rescue you? Well, no, Lord, I got it. Oh, that's why you're not in the book. Because it's not the big and bad that get saved. It's those that know they need a Savior. The one thing that keeps us out of the kingdom of God is pride. 
It's not because you didn't get the secret code. It's not because of anything else. The whole basic bottom line is this. Did you ever say, Jesus, I really need you? That's the heart of it all. Let's just close and pray. All right, is that good? Let's close and pray. Heavenly Father, there are some of us here today that are just now learning about your love. Would you sweep them off their feet? Would you show them that you look at them particularly and specifically? Lord, that you're not seeing them as a group. You're just seeing their own heart. Holy Spirit, I just pray that in this beautiful environment that you would begin to turn the lights on all the way across. That God, one by one, lives would come alive. That the little flame would be ignited in their heart. They don't understand you fully. They understand you a little bit and what they see, they love. Show us your face that we may behold the Son of God as you are. And salvation would rise. So right now, Lord, each in our individual heart, we're going to do a quick check and see if we know you. And if we don't know you, we want to know you right now. So we admit, Lord, we have gone astray. We've lived for ourselves and we need salvation. Extend your grace to us, your forgiveness your love and kindness and save us from our sins. You promised Jesus that you would take our hell and give us your heaven. And so we want to make that trade right now. Be glorified in us. And Lord, for the rest of us that are here, I just pray a blessing over my family. That Lord, I know that you are ultimately the head of the church, but God, you have put me in a place where I get to be a primary shepherd. Therefore, I want to pray a shepherd's father's blessing over this family, just as I would my girls. So, Lord, I pray right now that you would shield and protect them. I pray, God, you would push back the enemy and give them freedom. I pray right now, Lord, that you would open up our eyes to begin to see your works around us, that we might have an easy time worshiping your heart. God, I pray right now that you would begin to release your healing where you might get glory. I ask, Lord, that in the difficult times, you would raise us up and the glory would rise even there. I pray, Lord, that we might be able to have a better perspective that says that we are all yours. May you be glorified in us. I pray, Lord, that just now your favor and blessing would fall like rain down upon each one of us. Lord, if there are any of us that are lonely, we come against that in Jesus' name. And we say, God, be our helper and our friend. For any of us, Lord, that are struggling with anxiety and depression, we come against it in the name of Jesus. You have not given us a spirit of fear or depression, but the power, love, and of a sound mind. Your word says that we should fear not for you are with us. Your word says that you have beautiful plans for us. Your word says that you love us beyond our imagination. So God, let that replace our troubles. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone. We love you.